Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. So good morning, yes, guys, today um, we, it's, it's good to be together, wonderful to be together as a church family, being able to celebrate, obviously there's different moments of life, different seasons of things that are happening. Sarah, we are praying for you in every moment as you head into Spain and believing that God is going to use you for significant big things as you go there. This is not just another moment, but we believe for the purposes that he has for you as you step into it. And for anyone who wasn't here last week, and even if you were, just as a bit of a refresh for us, but uh, we started into this new series last week. We're going to be unpacking this over the, the next number of months as we lead into Christmas, this theme of, of Generation Next. Um, and for us as a church, I guess the reason why we're doing this is because we recognize that there's, there's an invitation for us um, in, in this season to, for the new things of the Lord in this season, new things for us individually, new things for us corporately, but new things through us as well, which we're believing for. And, and last week as we started into it, Phil obviously brought the teach last Sunday mainly. I brought a bit of an introduction and a context of where we were hoping to go with the series. And the thing which was really important that we really wanted to land crucially and significantly at the start of this and to remind ourselves is that as a local church, we are the church of Jesus. <laughs> we belong to Jesus. We are his church his body that outworks his purposes. While there's lots of things that we desire to do in our lives, the important thing for us as the church is that we belong to him. Last week, we looked at a snapshot of some of the churches in Revelation where Jesus was speaking to them specifically, some moments where he was correcting, rebuking, challenging them around what it actually meant for them to be a church but his desire in it, in it all, and this is what we sense for us in this season, is that he could direct his church. We belong to Jesus. And it's almost like what Paul would say in the book of Acts. For in him, in Jesus, we live and we move and we have our being. Everything who we are belongs to him and is in him and flows through him. And while last week we celebrated, while Tony 76 Last week, we celebrated the fact that we are 26 years old as a church family. And while we celebrate God's faithfulness that has brought us to this part, we are expectant for the new things that he is yet to lead us into. Um, and we were reminding ourselves that even after these 26 years, we want to believe that Jesus will speak afresh and anew with fresh direction in terms of what is the next part that he has for us, the next purpose that he has and he's leading us into. And as we explored last week, the crucial thing about this series, Generation Next, what it is not saying is simply, right, older generation, move aside, there's a new younger generation coming in. That's not what this is saying whatsoever. Last week, Phil really clearly laid the call in all of this across all of the generations, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, Tony, 80s, 90s, right up, that this is a call and a fresh charge for us to be expectant of, God, what is the new that you have for me in this season? What is the new that you're leading us into? And so during this series, yeah, we just want to begin to unfold some of the new things which we, we sense that God is leading us. And we're going to give some updates as we go through the series. But for all of us, we're just trying to create that narrative and that, that desire, that hunger in our lives for, God, what is the new that you have for me? 
What is the new that you're leading me in in this season? And we're going to finish with this at the very end. We're going to just cycle back around to us. But this is something that for all of us, we need to hunger and be expectant for, the fresh things and the new things that God is bringing us to. You know, I, I get it that for many people, particularly if you're in a really, really good season at the moment, everything just seems really sweet. Everything seems really fine. It's really easy to say, I, I just want to kind of stay here. Do you ever get moments like that where it's like things just are brilliant? And it's like, Jesus, I'm actually all right if I just hang around here for a while, if we just be comfortable in this moment. And yet on the other side of it, there's some people who maybe the season that you're in just feels absolutely rubbish. And like every part of you wants to escape from the season and the moment that you're in, you want something fresh, but it's more from a point of you, you hate the moment that you're in and you want to get into something different. Both wanting to stay in a good space and wanting a tough season to end aren't in themselves bad or wrong thinking, but in the midst of it all, it can often sidestep the most important question of all, which again is simply this, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do in this moment? Not as a result of because I want to change something, but God, what is it that you have? For us as a church, we're asking, Lord, what do you want us as we step into now our 27th year, as we lead into the next decades that lie ahead? God, what is it that you desire for us to do in some of the fresh shape and fresh direction? That's, that's ultimately what the next is about. Do you know what's the good thing, though, over this all, and before we start into the next part of this this morning? We know that as a father, he is a good father, isn't he? He is a good God. And wherever it is that he is leading to, this is the one thing that we can be expectant of, even while sometimes change or different new things can feel difficult. The thing that it is important that we hold in our minds is that he is a good God and everything that he has for us is ultimately for our good. He loves us. And the new things that he desires to lead us into is for our good. For the children of Israel, this is what it was for them as they were called by God, as they were under the charge of Joshua, as they were being led into the, the promised land. And they were told this, these words, that this was a land that was flowing with milk and honey. It was flowing with milk and honey. They didn't know the fullness of what all lay ahead of them, but this one thing they did know, what God had for them was abundantly good. It was flowing. It wasn't something that was just like a slight little improvement. What God had for them to step into was something that was of full abundance. The apostle Paul realized this, and this was in his prayer to the church in Ephesus. And he says, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more, than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him, Jesus, to him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, all generations forever and ever and ever. Amen. What God desires to do and lead us into, this is the thing I recognize for myself. Sometimes we can just think in small ways. What God desires to lead us into is of abundance. What God desires to bring us into, I'm not talking about financial things, perhaps, I don't know, it might be for some people in the room, but what God desires to lead us into, he has lots of it, he has much of it to lead us into. He is thinking in big ways for us as a church family as we lead into the next things. Let's not downplay it or try to play it small. God is a God of abundance. And so the question just simply to ask before we start into the next part of this today in Joshua 2, what are your hopes for this new season? In your life individually, what are your hopes for this new season? 
even as we talk about some of the fresh things or new things that we sense God might be doing for us as a church, what, what, what are your hopes for that? What, what are you sense or expecting for as part of this church family? If you call this home and you call this family, what, what are your hopes or expectations? Do we have any? Do we, do we think of it ever in that way? It's important for us, and this is where we'll cycle back around, that we are, as a people, asking those questions for ourselves. During this series, we're going to be teaching from the book of Joshua. And last week, we spoke from Joshua chapter 1. And today, we're going to be teaching from Joshua chapter 2. I don't want to take it for granted, because I know so easily we can do this, where we can say, oh, you all know the story of Rahab, and you might know some of the narrative. I want to read the whole passage for us. There's about 26 verses. I want to honor the word, and we're going to leave space for it for all of us to hear it. And then we're going to just try and take just two or three points from it and just allow the Spirit, hopefully, to speak to us this morning. So, God, even as we read your word afresh right now, thank you for your living word. Thank you that it is alive. And we just welcome you, Holy Spirit, as we read it. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us as your church, Jesus, this morning. Would you speak to our hearts, we pray, in your name. Amen. So, if you have Bibles with you in your phones, or if you have Bibles, let's get to Joshua chapter 2. It's going to be on the screen as well. It simply says these words. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly went or sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said. In the previous chapter, in chapter one, they've been sent. They've been told about the promised land that lies ahead of them. And here at the start of chapter two, he sent two spies into the land. He said, especially look at Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of those Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men did come to me, but I did not know where they come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them yourself. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies laid down for the night, before the spies laid down for the night, She went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen on of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. 
So she let them down by a rope through the window. For the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills uh, so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and they tied the scarlet cord in the window. And when they had left, they went into the hills and stayed three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went back down the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened to them. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. God, thank you for your word this morning. And in this story, so you might have read it before, you might have heard the story of Rahab, just a few points to pull out for, for us, particularly as we think of the context of this generation next and the new things perhaps that the Lord's leading us to. For us, the main teaching points, just three parts that as I read it just throughout the week, what I sense the Spirit speaking, and firstly for us individually, it's important for us to grasp the significance as we look at Rahab of, of a life that is redeemed, what it actually means to be redeemed by God, the significance of it. And really importantly, you see in the strap line below, just to put in this, this is what I take from it. No matter who you are or what your story has been, everyone, when it's part of the church, when we're part of the family of God, everyone gets to play a part. No matter who you are, no matter what your story has been, when it comes to this, everybody gets to play a part. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but one of the biggest obstacles that seems sometimes to you experiencing and living out the love of God in your life can often be yourself. One of the biggest obstacles sometimes to us believing fully the love of God for us is sometimes us and our own thinking. This is why Jesus said, you know, it's love your neighbor as you love yourself. Sometimes because of how little we think of ourselves and sometimes of, of, of how we can often put ourselves down with our words, we don't recognize the worth that there is in our lives. Sometimes we can write ourselves off. We feel the Lord wouldn't want to use someone like us. He perhaps preferred to use someone else that's better, we look around and we could compare ourselves. We could say, oh, well, Marty, Marty Timlin, God could use him. God could use an Alan Emerson, a Grace, a Grace Galt. Someone could, God could use, but not me. It's so easy to look and to compare our lives to other people. And in the story, the first thing that it shows us is that what God first and foremost requires, yes, is a repentant heart, but secondly, a willing heart a heart that is available and is willing for him. In the context of this story, it's incredible. Jericho, this fortified city that they were going to go after, and we're going to come to it later in the series. In Joshua chapter 6, we read about how the walls of Jericho fell down as they marched around it several times. 
But the children of Israel, you can imagine this, they would have strategized in their minds. They would have been looking at this fortified city and trying to work out what would be the best way to try and get at this. What would be the right thing to be able to do? They probably had different answers or different thoughts in their minds. They might have even thought to themselves, I wonder if there's someone inside the city that perhaps might be a person that could favor us and be on our side. They might have thought of who it could have been or what that type of person would have been like. And yet God's way into the next almost key unlocking moment for his people, the children of Israel, was through a heart that had caught his attention. You know, the Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts are committed to him, that he might strengthen them. And God had caught something about this woman, Rahab, and her heart. We need to understand the significance of this. If the children of Israel had been thinking of the best way, this would not have been it. Firstly, a woman, and in Jewish culture, women were considered secondary to men. And so to those religious patriarchal Jews, God could have used a woman, but it would never have been the first choice. But then a prostitute? God, really? A female prostitute? God, is that really what it would be? She should be stoned, God, not used by you. God, that's not the way it should be. The religious mindset was working overtime. However, when God truly catches a heart, the result can be huge. Listen to some of the words that we read in this. Listen to the words of Rahab. She said this in verse 9. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. Something had started to stir within us. She had started to watch and she started to see and she was hearing She was hearing the stories about Yahweh. She was hearing the incredible things that this God was doing. She says this in the next verse, we have heard. People have been talking about God. People have been saying the incredible things that God has been doing. And then it's not as as if that she's just been hearing, but something has started to capture her heart. Something has started to come alive inside of her. Listen to what she says in verse 11. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Suddenly truth starts to spring up in her life. Truth starts to come in the midst of her sinfulness and brokenness. It's not as if we're, we're sidestepping that part of her life. But in the midst of it, God had arrested her heart. And this lady, Rahab, she had realized truth that many people in Israel had just not grasped. Or, and this is sometimes a danger for us as a church, perhaps some of the children of Israel have become too familiar with it to now allow it to shape their lives. They'd heard the stories, they lived in it, but they weren't allowing it really to shape their lives. Suddenly something had, within Rahab's heart had started to come alive and it started to take hold of her. And what had happened was that she moved from, the, from something that was familiar to something that was now formational. She allowed it to be something that moved from, for our, us and our lives, something that we know of, the stories, the words, the things we've heard about God, it's familiar to us, but yet what we need to be as a church in this season is that we now know to, to allow it to move to a place that is now formational for us individually and collectively as the people of God. God is speaking. And Rahab had allowed God in this moment, the stories that she had heard. And as we go into chapter 6, this is what we start to hear about Rahab, is that it wasn't something that she just heard, but she allowed it. It was a choice that sprang into action, is what it says in chapter 6. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent the spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites 
to this day, suddenly she got to be part of the family because God had taken hold of her heart. Jesus modeled this out even in the New Testament when he was on earth with men and with women. Those whose society, because remember, sometimes we can put down ourselves and think of ourselves as worthless or not of worth, but even those in society around the time of Jesus, whose society could do nothing with or wanted anything to do with, suddenly Jesus used them in his life and in his ministry and purpose. We think of these two examples, the woman at the well in John chapter 4. This is the woman who had many husbands. If you've never heard the story before, she had many husbands. And Jesus calls it out in her life. Jesus is able to tell her the number of husbands that she's had. And actually he says to her, and actually the man you're with at the minute, he's not even your husband. This woman, if, if we were looking at her, she doesn't really, she doesn't really map, match what we would often think is the criteria, desirable criteria for ministry. And yet Jesus sends her and through her, her whole village gets unlocked and people get to hear about the Messiah. She's the first missionary that is sent out. The Gerizine demoniac in Luke chapter 8, his life had been lived in such a way that he had been exposed and he had opened himself and he was now possessed by demons. His life was in turmoil. He had been sidelined by his family and culture because people were afraid of him and how his life was. He doesn't line up as a candidate for a Bible college placement. <laughs> And yet Jesus sends him back and he says, go and tell your family of the wonderful things that I've done as, as he delivers him with all these demons. Jesus sends him back. This man's life is transformed. It is redeemed. It is restored. And Jesus sends him in the mission. These people, I'm sure, in their life and in their lives, and I'm sure that's what it was for Rahab. You know, the choices that she made in her life, I'm sure that it wasn't something that she was thinking from an early age, this is what I'm going to be. But what had happened in the midst of brokenness, these choices that she ended up stepping into, she didn't realize actually there was something better that was available to her in this moment. Jesus was willing. Jesus is willing. And it's important for us as a church and for you individually, don't write yourself off because of moments from the past. Don't write yourself off even because of where you see yourself at the moment. In this season, as we seek to step into the new, the most crucial question to simply ask is this, is your heart willing? Are we making ourselves available for whatever it is that God would desire for us to do? Listen, that we can lay aside our agenda and that we truly, as a, I know it's really easy to say that, but we as a people would be hungry to hear, God, what do you want for my life? What is it that you're stepping me into? Are you willing to invite Jesus even for the first time into your life? If you think he could never save you, this is why we, we sang this this morning. Actually, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Jesus is the one that is victorious. And this is what he speaks over our lives time and time and time again in the fresh. He spoke this and Paul declared this to the church in Corinth. My grace, this is the words of Jesus, my grace is sufficient. If you think you're beyond saving, it's not he can save you. Maybe your life as a believer if you're in the room this morning has had a bit of a, you've been derailed, you feel in your walk. You feel like just in a lost place. These are the words this morning from Jesus. My grace is sufficient. And what we need to hear is that the redemptive power of God in our lives where we're at is crucial for us to grasp. And all it takes is for a willing heart. Say, yes, Jesus. Jesus, I welcome you in this moment where I am. Would you enter my life, if, whether it's for the first time or afresh. God, I welcome you afresh in my life. I'm willing, God, in this season. I'm willing, would you lead me? The second thing that I learned from the life of Rahab, even as reading it this week, 
And it's a beautiful thing is when we see a life that is repurposed. You know, as the church, we need to recognize the urgency of the moment and that more than ever, we need to be those who step into the mission of the church. We said this last week, the purpose of the church, Jesus and the Great Commission, he said, go into all the earth, all the world, make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the same mission that is upon each and every one of us. While there's unique calls upon your life, the purpose upon all of us as church is this, the mission of Jesus. Go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Rahab's heart knew that she had to make a choice, but she understood and desired that her choice wouldn't just affect her, but it would affect her family as well. Listen to the words she says in verse 12. Please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. Each week, as we go through this series, we're going to finish each of the Sundays just by the words of Joshua, who finishes the book with, where he simply says this, choose today for yourself. Listen, the Lord's speaking, but it's, you've got to choose for yourself. Yes, while we believe that there's something corporate, the only way it becomes a corporate part of us is when each of the individuals make a choice. And Joshua said these words, choose today for yourself. But something within Rahab had caught by this, and she, this is a cry of her heart, would you show kindness to my family? Rahab was given the sole purpose we read in the story earlier, that she was to go and she was to bring her family into her home. She was told, if they're not in your house, and when we come, if they're not in your house, they're going to die. But if they're in the house with you, they will live. And this was the sign that Rahab and the spies had agreed together between them, that a red cord would be hung from the window. A red cord would be hung from the window. Eventually, see, what we need to realize, I think this is on like a diagram version of it, Rahab, her house was in the walls of the city. Obviously, this isn't a photograph. It's a, it's a, it's a picture of it that someone's drawn. But as Rahab would have lived here, and this was the crucial thing, she had to hang this cord from it because they were told us that as the children of Israel would come, and this is what we actually read in the story in chapter 6, the whole city was destroyed apart from where she lived. And because of this cord, this speaks of some things we're going to press into this this morning. Rahab was told that as the children of Israel would come, she had to ensure that the cord was hanging at the window. You can imagine this, that each day, she, she, as she purposed this in herself, she knew, it's funny, I was speaking to a, a friend last night, uh, and, and as we talked about this, this idea of the scarlet cord, you know, the scarlet cord can speak of the promises for Rahab, this is what it was, it was a promise that was made, her family would be safe, her family would be saved, and yet for her, and this is the part that I guess for us this morning as well, though, that I want to bring out with us, for Rahab each day, Imagine like as she looked out of her window and each day and particularly as the children of Israel started to circle the city of Jericho day after day after day for those seven days and as they circled it and then seven days they did it seven times but as they circled each of the days as she looked out the window and as she saw the scarlet cord it was a reminder to her of the urgency of the moment. It was a reminder to her that she had a purpose that she needed to get after. It was a reminder to her that she needed to make sure that her family were in her home. It was a reminder to her that the promise had been made and that there was, a, there was an army that was coming back and she needed to, to get her family into this place. And you can almost imagine, as this arrested her heart, Rahab would have made sure she would have spoken with her family and with a, a boldness over her life, she would have been saying something like, something's about to happen. You need to listen to me. Something is about to happen. I've heard 
have been told something's about to happen in this place. And you need to listen to me and understand how you can be saved. You can hear the words that she would have been speaking to her family. She's saying, I can't tell anyone else, but I need you to know it's my family. Because I love you, you need to hear there's a story that's unfolding. There's a story that's working itself out. There's, there's a coming army that's coming into this place. But for you as your family, this is how you can be saved. She would have gripped her heart almost by the seriousness of, of her words. Every day as she saw the sign of the court, she was reminded again to check and make sure everyone was in. And for those around us in our lives who don't know Jesus, this is simply the question I'm just asking myself. Do we recognize the urgency of the moment? I feel that it's one of the things that God wants to stir fresh with us. It's been great getting back off the back of COVID, and there's lots of other things that are going on in the world at the moment. But I feel that one of the things that God wants to just raise amongst us again is an urgency of mission and evangelism as a people. That we would take seriously the mission of Jesus. It's not our mission. Well, it is, but only because it came from him, and he commissioned us to do it with him and to be part of this with him. There's an urgency in this season and in this moment for mission and evangelism. And similar to Rahab, we know of a story that's being unfolded. We know of a story of a coming, returning, conquering king who's about to come. And yet sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes it just feels like we sit passively. We sit passively, timidly, like we don't want to offend people. We feel a little bit shy with it and yet locked within us is the very thing that is the story of the words of life that people need to hear. Locked within us is the truth that the world needs to hear, and yet we sit timidly. We don't want to offend people. We want to be as nice as we possibly can, and yet this is the moment of urgency, not because like I'm standing like it's a street preacher in the corner saying he's ret- God might, Jesus might return tomorrow, but it's just like for us as the church, this is the urgency of the moment. The urgency that we sit in in this moment every day of our lives that we need to face with the reality of this. There's a returning coming king. He is coming back. And there's a world, there's a huge part of the world that are not ready to meet King Jesus. There's a huge part of many of our families that are not ready to meet King Jesus. And listen to me when I say this, the last thing I'm saying is that we try to do this then in a religious, bold, boisterous way. But you know, one of the things that we can easily do is that we can allow people to see how our own lives have been captured by the love of Jesus. We allow them to see the change that Jesus has meant for us, that we're able to say, I've found a pearl of great worth. I've found something that is so significant and you need to know about Jesus. He's coming back. He's coming back and we need to be ready. Like us with your family that you love and your friends that you love, we, do, we, need, we need to share it in love, but we don't need to be people that hold back. We don't need to play shy with this or to play timid with it because that just plays into the hands of the enemy who just wants to hold us back as a church. And yet this is the mission of Jesus to us. And this is what we're being stirred into, I feel, in this season by God once again. There's a town here in Lurgan that we've been placed in as a local church. And there's a town here in Lurgan that needs to know about King Jesus. We need to demonstrate it with love and action. That's why we open our church and we try to invite people in and to love them in different ways. But we have a story alive inside of us that we need to be able to share. With people around us that we see day and daily, we need to not hold back. Yes, with love and with kindness we share, but we need to be those that can say, I know of a coming King. I know of a Savior. 
He's the hope of the world. When you see all the fear and anxiety and hope that Claire spoke about at the start, when we see that, I know of another one. I know of a coming King, Jesus, who is the hope of the world in this moment, and he's available to you. This is a moment for us, and I suppose the question to be asking is even when you think of your own family, your own friends, who are those that need to know of? But the question I want to ask you this morning is this, and then just share one more point briefly, and then we'll pray. I, I recognize that so often, like, it's, it's easy for me to, it's, it is, it's easy for me to stand here and shout this with urgency. And the challenge is in my own life, and I'm, am I going to be as passionate or as animated about it tomorrow morning? It's easy to be caught in moments and to be stirred by something. And yet this is why I feel we need a sign. We need something that is visible even in each of our lives individually that is a daily reminder to us of the urgency of the moment that we live in. Like I, I talk about this at weddings. This is my wedding ring. And Laura and I stood at the front of this church, well, 13, 14 years ago. 14? <laughs> Thir 13, almost 14 uh, years ago. And we, we made vows to each other. And it was really easy to stand at the front of church and make vows to each other. And there's lots and lots of days where it hasn't been easy to love, but this is why this is a sign. We always say this at weddings, this is a sign that reminds us that even when you don't feel like it, it's a choice that we make. And yet I wonder for us, like I remind ourselves, and this is where my head's been going, like I remember the times when we used to have the, the, the plastic cylinders and the ping pong balls, do you remember that? With us as a church, and what we did with that was it was a symbol and a sign to us to remind us of the urgency about how are we sharing Jesus with people. And I wonder what is the sign that we need as a church again to remind us and to call us into the mission. But I wonder what it is for you in your life. What is the sign for you that reminds you on a daily basis, almost as Rahab would have looked out the window when she would have seen the scarlet rope that reminded her, I need to get my family into my home. I need to get my family home. I need to tell them about the story that's being unfolded. What is the sign that we need in our lives? What are some of the things that you would place in your life that reminds you of the mission and the purpose that we have as believers and as the family of God? That it's not just a nice religious thing that we do. Yes, it's brilliant that we have been won by the love of Jesus, but it's beyond that, that we are those that are surrendered to his purposes. We are those that are given to his ways. There's a life that we are called to live as the church of Jesus Christ. And this is the call and the opportunity and the, I suppose the challenge to us is, are we willing? Are we willing to be part of the church? Are we willing to be part of the unfolding story and not just leave it to the ones or the twos? We think, oh, well, they're the evangelists and they'll do it. No, for all of us, as we center ourselves and position ourselves where God has us, are we available and willing to be used by him? Third point, really briefly, is this. The thing that I love about the story of Rahab is when Jesus comes into our life, it can be a life that's redefined. Rahab was simply known as this, Rahab the prostitute or Rahab the harlot. Depends which translation of the Bible you're reading. Rahab the prostitute or Rahab the harlot. That's all she was known as. That's how people would have called her. There's the prostitute. Might not have even known her name was Rahab, but just knew her. There's the prostitute. There's the harlot. And yet the beautiful thing is that when Jesus came into her life, and as Jesus took hold of her, 
Rahab's life and who she was was redefined. Actually, it's really important. I'm going to just read it here just briefly. But as we get into the New Testament, we get into Matthew chapter 1, and we read the genealogy of Jesus. I'm going to read a few verses from it. What we see is that Matthew specifically, he does no longer, when we get into the book of Matthew, is Rahab called Rahab the prostitute. She's called Rahab the mother. A life with purpose. A life redefined. Do you feel like, you know, where you have been and where God, like where things have been in the past, like how people have known you? It's really hard sometimes, isn't it? Like when you've stuff in your background and your past, sometimes people just identify you with that. And yet there's a fresh definition of your life. Robbie, I look at you in the fresh definition that there is over your life. Praise God for it. Redefined because of King Jesus in your life. As you look around the room, We've all come from background stories. We've all got baggage in our past, but that is not what defines us. And even how we feel right today, it's not what defines us. It's the choices that we make and we lead into the next part of it because as we invite Jesus into our life, he redefines us. And what we read in the genealogy of, of Jesus. We read a few verses. In Matthew chapter 1, Abram was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah. You know, Jesus from the lion of the tribe of Judah. There was a call upon his life. Judah was the father of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Abinadab. Abinadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. That's a cool name. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Look at this. Who, whose mother was Rahab. This woman who had no purpose and how people defined her as completely secondary, as wasteless. Suddenly there's a fresh definition that's on her life. Rahab, the mother Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. And this is where the line comes from of the Messiah. And as we go right through to verse 16, it says this. Another guy, Jacob, was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All because, all because Rahab realized that the choice that she made didn't just affect her, but it affected her family. And actually, there was something within it that affected her lineage way beyond her. This is where we need to recognize when we come to that part of choose for yourself. Choose for yourself in this moment. The choice is important that we make. The choice is important that you leave this room with even today. What is the purpose that we have in our lives? Dixie, do you guys want to come and we'll just finish with a song and then we'll pray. The choices that we make are crucial for us. And as the church, this, I, I feel a sense of excitement, if I'm being honest. Let me get this out of the way for you guys. Is all right? Thanks, man. I feel that in this moment where, where God is reawakening us to, to mission and to evangelism, we need to know that the, the choices are crucial for us. And, and simply all I wanted to leave and to ask, as Dixie sets up here and we're going to sing the song to close, I would just love you to close your eyes for a second, will you? And two simple questions. First, I want you to think and reflect on in your life for your family, in your sphere of influence, 
Who are the people that don't know Jesus? I don't know them, but you do. Who are the people that have never, ever heard, perhaps, the story of King Jesus and the hope that he is and could be for their lives? final thing I just want you to reflect on, just still with your eyes closed, what what could be a sign for you, like even for us, like as my head was going this morning, oh, what, what could be a sign we could even have in church? <laughs> it just reminds us on a weekly basis about this again, the cause of this, but for you on a daily basis, what's, what's a sign in your life that just reminds you that you are surrendered as a believer to Jesus and his purposes and his ways? One of which is that that day this day that you would sit in, that he desires to use you to outwork his mission and his purposes, to share his kingdom to those that don't yet know it? What would be a sign for you that would remind you? What would be something that would visibly, whether it could be like a, a ring or whatever it might be, what is something that from this day you could be saying, as I look at this, God, let it remind me, let it remind me to be about your business in this way. Jesus, we thank you for God the power your power at work in our lives thank you God that when we invite you by the power of your Holy Spirit God that we our lives can be redeemed God that our lives can be restored can be repurposed and I thank you God that you have the power to redefine who we are God, I pray that over us individually, but I pray it over us, God, as a church family here in Emmanuel, Oregon today. I pray over our lives, God, would you use us? And God, in this moment, we just sing this as a song of worship and declaration to you this morning. Let's stand, can we? Just let's sing these words um, to Jesus this morning, just as truth about who we are. Thanks, Dixon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.